There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, welcome to Better Make It Quick, the uh, Wednesday quick version of Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osher Ginsberg, and this is a podcast here to make your day today better than yesterday. Something you hear on this show and every show, we'll do just that. And we do it by having conversations with people from all over the world, from all walks of life, and some of them are experts at what they do. And every one of those chats is here to make your day better. That's a guarantee. It does what it says in the box. I'm here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, Mondays and Wednesdays with a guest, and Fridays uh, here with you. I'm Osha. I'm a TV host. I'm a dad. I'm a stepdad. I'm currently, I have a wolf on my lap and he's wearing flannel pyjamas, aren't you, Wolfie? Yeah. Are they cosy? Good. And Wolfie's got headphones on right now. It's pretty exciting hearing the headphones. And we today are going back to 2020 to speak with Karen Douglas, episode 347, if you want to hear the full chat, but this is just a little bit of it. Karen Douglas is a professor of social psychology, and she studies the psychological factors associated with belief in conspiracy theories and the impact that those theories can have on global health, on politics and the environment. So let's start with a bit of a definition. Let's see what we're playing with here. What is the definition of a conspiracy theory? Like your standard kind of, I guess, academic definition of a conspiracy theory is is simply a proposed plot, which is supposed to be carried out in secret by some powerful people. And yes, they usually stand to benefit from whatever they're doing and other people don't. So the activities that they're engaged in, allegedly, are not supposed to be in people's general best interests and more likely to be in their own best interests. Have you found that there's also a bit of a trip switch built in there to perpetuate any kind of chance to disprove it. For example, I heard this great joke perfectly this week because it's the week I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. Why do elephants wear red shoes? Yeah, it's impossible to say, no, they don't. It's impossible to answer exactly no, why. No, do, do, do you know yeah. this joke? No, I don't. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm so excited to tell you. Let me ask you this. Sir. Okay, Professor Karen Douglas, professor who's... who's Published peer-reviewed scientific work is around conspiracy theories. Why do elephants wear red shoes? I don't know. Why do elephants wear red shoes? (laughs) So you never see them 
when they're stealing strawberries out of the strawberry patch. I like that. <laughs> That's right. You've never seen an elephant in a strawberry patch? Boom. Exactly. Truth. And it seems to me that any really kind of solid conspiracy theory will have that worked into it. Like A is true and B is why the truth can never be proven. So therefore mm-hmm. A is true. Yeah, yeah. A lot of yeah, a lot of conspiracy theories are like that. And if they're not exactly like that, then they do often have layers and layers and layers of other bits of information which also can't be disproved. So people who believe in conspiracy theories would say, well, you can't disprove this. You can never say that that's not true. And so you just get kind of layers and layers of complexity added to often what's a very, very basic conspiracy theory, like, I don't know what's happened. I think something's up here. We have to kind of question the truth and all that kind of stuff. But then you start adding all of these pieces of information and then all together you have what you would say is probably an unfalsifiable theory, completely unfalsifiable. And they have this idea that any evidence to the contrary that you might, if you do somehow get sucked into an argument, unfortunately, with someone who is into this irrational belief, any evidence to the contrary just justifies the truth that the conspiracy that they believe is is built on. For example, I don't know, like the death rate per millions of vaccines Mm -hmm. is lower than the standard death rate per population. But because somebody died after getting vaccinated, therefore all vaccines are dangerous and Mm -hmm. Big Pharma is out to kill our children. Exactly. (laughs) And I think that's, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that that is, that's one of the key features of a conspiracy theory, because of course, conspiracies do happen. They have happened in the past. So as soon as there is any kind of example of something like this having happened in the past, then suddenly anything and everything is possible. And um, another interesting thing, this happens to me quite a lot. If you start to say anything about conspiracy theories and and trying to refute them or debunk them, then of course you are seen as being part of the conspiracy and therefore you're not a trusted source of information and you're not somebody who um, should be believed. So the amount of times that I've been accused of being part of conspiracy theories and working with governments and specific individuals have been mentioned I've kind of lost count, really, the number of times that I've been put in the conspiracy theory, which, of course, you know, I just work at a university, I teach students and do research. I've got nothing to do with these things. <laughs> I don't know, Karen, that couch behind you looks pretty fancy. I bet you bought it with all that, all that big pharma money. <laughs> Ikea. It's actually it's a really ugly sofa. <laughs> I piffle. It's, it's fantastic. I did kind of want to ask you about this because I've I've explored this topic quite a bit on this show. I've had it was an interesting compliment. Within the course of a number of weeks, I had a woman who's a documentary maker who made an extraordinary documentary about vaccines and the history of vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And I also had a woman who's an expert in cult indoctrination. And right. the parallels between the thinking patterns that we have as humans that get, I guess, taken advantage of by people who are perpetrating things on cult members, the parallels, it's just too big to ignore. Like very early on in the cult indoctrination process, they would say to you, oh, Rationale, look, I know it's hard to believe, but all this stuff is absolutely true, that there really is a comet that is going to pass by the planet on mm-hmm. November the 17th, 2042. But there's another comet that came just before that. And those people travel around in white vans and one day they may just come and grab you and tell you everything mm. I've told you is wrong. But you mm-hmm. need to believe that those are the people from the evil comet, okay? And yeah. so very early on you're told 
that if anyone ever tries to deprogram you, they're they're in on it. And yeah. the parallel there is, I don't know, do, have you have you explored anything along those lines in your work? No, not really. No, I haven't really looked at the complexities and actual um, detailed features a lot of, of, of a lot of the conspiracy theories, but you're absolutely right. They often have this, and I think the white van thing is actually really, really good because white vans are everywhere. So there's always this possibility if you're slightly this way inclined that, you know, someone from a white van will jump out and get you. If you have that belief, then it's, it seems quite realistic. But um, I've mainly kind of looked into the psychological, I guess, reasons why people are attracted to conspiracy theories rather than the features of the conspiracy theories themselves, even though I think that's also really, really important and probably is a bit of a piece of the puzzle to try to understand a little bit more about why people actually believe them. So what ideas appeal to people and, and which ones don't, because it is the case that some conspiracy theories, they can last for decades um, like JFK, um, the Apollo moon landings, conspiracy theories about those sorts of events. But then you find others that people don't really entertain for very long and they just disappear after a while. So I think it's a, it is a really important question to ask, what is it about these particular beliefs that resonates with people and, and when do they not resonate with people? So I was kind of curious about the kinds of people that would be susceptible to believing them, if you will. Karen listed a few things. Uh, level of education plays a role, lower self-esteem plays a role, age, and Machiavellianism. A lot of syllables, interesting word. I asked her, what is Machiavellianism? So Machiavellianism is seen as a personality trait which characterises this idea that you can be, you have a cynical approach to power and you feel, if you're sort of high in Machiavellianism, you feel that it's okay to step on people and do I guess, less moral things to get what you want to be in a position of power over other people. And that's basically what that is. And um, we find that people who are um, higher in Machiavellianism are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. And, and sort of the mechanism for this is that if they're Machiavellian, they kind of assume that other people are as well. So it's like using information about yourself to judge what others might have done and what events might have been possible. So if you're Machiavellian, you think, oh, okay, yeah, well, I would do that. So perhaps other people would do this as well. So then, therefore, you see the, the conspiracy theory more plausible. So you think it's more likely that people might have assassinated Princess Diana or faked moon landings or whatever. If it's possible for you, it's possible for anybody. So kind of personalizing a trait of ourselves and then projecting that onto another, even though exactly. that, person, that personality trait has no business whatsoever in a French paparazzi photographer in 1997. You've got that perfectly right. So it is this projection. You're using information about yourself and projecting that onto other people to try to kind of make sense of what might have happened. And so this conspiracy theory seems more realistic. That's what's going on there. So you, you mentioned the education and level mm -hmm. of education. Why does that play a role? Well, education is quite important. It doesn't doesn't mean that people who haven't had high levels of education are you know stupid or anything like that. Um, it doesn't mean that at all. What it actually means is that often a certain type of education will give people the tools and I guess skills to be able to reject information that's unreliable. So a lot of the time we kind of talk about conspiracy theories being related to critical thinking ability. It's not so much an ability, it's a skill that can kind of be learned. So a lot of psychologists now are, are looking into how to improve education systems, like right from um, teaching ch young children in school, the importance of critical thinking, because it's like a, it's a tool that you can use to be able to 
I guess, critically evaluate information that you see, look at the source, where is that coming from, um, who's saying it, what's their authority to say this, what are their credentials, I suppose, in a way. So then you can kind of accept or reject that piece of information and it's easier for you to do that if you have those kinds of skills, I guess. So that's really what's, what's kind of going on there. When I think about the, there's one particular person in my life who I adore and is very good at what they do, but is just a bandit for <laughs> staying up way too late at night, diving into filter bubbles and believing whatever shows yeah. up. But my assessment of this person is that they feel in a weird way, kind of like picking a scab. They feel a great amount of satisfaction, like, ha, 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 now I know. Now I know something that he doesn't know. Mm. And I feel sure they feel a sense of safety, even if they're discussing or digging up something that would make you feel quite unsafe. This person feels a great sense of safety and surety that they are now more secure because they they know. Does that sound right? It does, yeah, and, and that nicely ties into another variable that we found in psychology that relates to conspiracy belief, and that's narcissism. And also another another factor which we call a need for uniqueness. So when you were describing your friend as thinking, you know, aha, I've got this information and I feel special now, I have this information that other people don't have, then I guess conspiracy theories, people look to them in attempt to sort of satisfy that need to feel unique and need to feel, I guess, a little bit better than other people. So if you have this information that other people don't have, then you can maintain this idea that you're special and different to others. So you've got unique information that others don't have. So you're better than them because they're in the dark, but you're not. They're sheep. That you're not, you can actually see what's going on. Wake up, sheeple! Sheeple, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Which is wild, because I'm pretty sure Mark Maron came up with that. And there's one person that has got nothing at all to do with conspiracies. It's Mark Maron. <laughs> sheeple, it's a good word. Yeah. It's a really good word. Back when he was on Air America, like, God, 20 years ago or whatever, like, yeah, it's an interesting word. It's a, it is. But the, the narcissism thing, there would need to be an element of that. You know, I did not do anything to do with physics after grade 10. And I'm sure there's people my age who didn't do that either. And they might've <laughs> failed it even. They just did grade 10 science and that was it. But now I am a, I am 100% sure that there's no way that the planet is warming up or there is no way that physics works in this particular way and CO2 can form a blanketing layer of, of gas around the atmosphere. Like it's completely impossible. It's all the, the, the idea that I... I have to know more than mm. a PhD scientist. Yeah, that's right. I think that even if it might not ultimately be satisfying to have that belief, people think that it will be satisfying. And they think that yeah, having this information is somehow makes them powerful again. And if you think about a lot of, of situations like climate change, coronavirus, the situation that we're in now, people just do feel a little bit powerless and out of control. And if you think you know the truth and other people don't, then it helps you, like you say, to feel a bit safer, to feel a little bit more in control and satisfies this need that you might have to, I guess, have the knowledge and um, certainty that other people don't have. So um, whether or not they work, I don't think particularly they do satisfy these sorts of needs because if anything, people end up feeling worse if they believe in conspiracy theories. The more you kind of go down this rabbit hole, the less satisfying it actually becomes. You, you start to feel more, more powerless, more disillusioned, 
Um, you trust people much less. So I don't think it really works. But I think that people do use them as a coping mechanism and also a way to just generally feel good about themselves. Now, social media is a tool that we've created and it's made it, in some ways, made our lives really interesting, but it's also made it easier than ever for people to get caught up in and start to believe things that simply aren't true, conspiracy theories being one of them. We'll hear what Professor Karen Douglas has to say on that right after this. We're going to take a break. There is an ad-free version of the show. If you don't like ads, that's fine. You can uh, get onto the ad-free version of the show at Patreon, patreon.com slash osher. And until you support there, here's some ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's only been a couple of years. 15 years since Facebook showed up. Mm. But and I believe it was, it was Roger McNamee, who was a, one of Zuckerberg's advisors and has written a book called Zucked, which is a, it's an extraordinary book. But he's of this view that if you spend, like, all it takes is just a couple of months, like maybe six months in the right Facebook groups and the right YouTube channels, and okay. it's going to be almost impossible to get you back. So we've invented these tools that are able to program us and hack our ability to perceive reality faster than has ever happened before in history. How do you go up against that? Yeah, well, it's very, very difficult. And I think the big tech companies, Facebook, Twitter, etc., have come under a lot of scrutiny recently because they do have a lot of conspiracy-related content and they've been very, very strongly challenged about this and have actually, as far as I know, come up with ways to sort of block that content so that people don't, over-consume this information or it doesn't pop up in their news feed or in recommended advertisements and that sort of thing. It doesn't, it's not supposed to come through to people as much as it normally would. But I guess social media and the internet, it's, it's a really interesting way to kind of look at conspiracy theories. Like a lot of scholars would say that the internet and social media has been amazing for conspiracy theories and theorists because it's so much easier to find this information than ever before and people can share it and find other people. But I guess I don't think it's quite that straightforward and some research suggests that people who are not interested in conspiracy theories won't search for that information. They won't search for it and therefore they won't find it unless somehow it manages to filter its way through their social media somehow. But they won't see that material. The only people who will see that material are people who are that way inclined in the first place. 
So it isn't necessarily the case that the internet and social media has increased conspiracy theories, but it's actually a way of polarizing people who are already interested in conspiracy theories. They'll search for this information, they'll enter these groups, they'll consume this information, they'll talk to other people, and their attitudes will become stronger, whereas people who are not interested will never get there in the first place. So I don't think it's necessarily making things a whole lot worse in that people would need to be, I guess, receptive to that information in the first place to go down that route, I think. But you've you got to admit, though, that in the earliest days of the internet, when there was an odd, one of the best ones, you'd have to look into the Wayback Machine, which is a, an, an internet archive thing. It was a thing called the Time Cube, mm-hmm. and it was this never-ending HTML screen that went for f- 400 feet of scrolling, and it was just this complete ranting of someone who was probably, and I can say this because I've been on and off and and back on again, someone in need of medication. Mm -hmm. And when those videos are made and they look just like a newscast or when the article looks just like a news bulletin or it is masquerading as how actual researched and ethically sourced facts are presented, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned earlier, if you are unable to discern the difference between this is an article written by someone who went to university, has an ethical obligation to their union, their legion of other journalists to present facts as if they were, mm-hmm. this is someone who drives a forklift and spends way too much time drinking highly caffeinated fizzy drinks and has <laughs> written something, you know, just full of trigger words and, and photoshopped images, but they look the same. Yeah. If you are unable to discern that, then you're boom, you trip and 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 now you're in it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that does happen. I think probably, again, you have to be interested in it in the first place to actually open it up and and, But, of course, it's interesting, though, Karen. Of course, (laughs) you know, people want to, like, ooh, contrails, that's interesting. I've seen those things. (laughs) I always wondered what they were. And, you know, it's interesting. The stuff kind of, it really is. It's a bloke on the corner going, psst, come over here. I've got something to tell you. It's a secret. (laughs) You know, it's... It's super interesting. They are. They're extremely interesting. They're incredibly entertaining. But I guess if you know what you're looking for and you know how to reject information that's just not right, then you're going to be able to resist these things. (laughs) I come across a lot. And it's not just like a lot of people think that conspiracy theories are just all for right-wingers. They're actually not. I see lots of left-wing conspiracy content and also lots of left-wing kind of fake news as well, which is something that's closely related to conspiracy theories. Uh, I mean, yeah. not, not all fake news is conspiracy theories, but a lot of fake news contains conspiracy theories. But yeah, I think that with political ideology, you do see a lot more of this going on at the right-wing end of the spectrum, mm. but it also does occur at more at the extreme left as well. It's very, very complex. There's a lot kind of going on. That was Professor Karen Douglas. If you'd like to hear the full chat, you can find uh, episode 347. Uh, the podcast feed goes back to 2013. There's lots of episodes. Um, yeah, it was in 2020 that we chat. Honestly, her knowledge on this topic is just so helpful in understanding a lot of stuff that's probably derailed perhaps relationships you've had and conspiracy theories, uh-huh. understanding them, understanding why people believe in them, how they spread and what effects they have on our society. That's an interesting hat, Wolfie. Look at, oh, you're a king. That's a crown. There you go. Sorry, Wolfie's found a mic cradle that has got a shock mount on it, which helps the microphone, one of the microphones here, not bump when you walk around it. 
And um, it looks like a crown, doesn't it? Good job. Anyway, that's Bye. us. You want to say goodbye, Wolfie? Goodbye, Andy. Goodbye, Andy. You're such a good boy. That's Andy who's editing this. Thank you, Andy. And thank you, Rachel Barrett, the executive producer of everything. Thank you to Bree Steele who produced this episode and put it together. And, of course, Mike Mills, toe hider on the music. Until we speak on Friday. Keep real and you're in love. Beautiful things. 